Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Preem, Jared Mack on the show, and today we are bringing in Adam Munster Tiger from Buff Stampede of 24-7 Sports to get you up to date on everything Oregon versus Colorado this weekend. 12:30 kick uh, game is on Fox. Adam, thanks a lot for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Of course. I'm just glad anybody wants to, to hear about Colorado football at this point. It's uh, obviously been a disappointing season for the Buffs. And, uh, you know, it's one thing when if you're a fan out there and you're a Colorado fan and you watch this team play and they lose games and, and that's always tough. But just the way that they've been playing football this year, ranking dead last out of 130 FBS programs in, ter- in terms of total offense has just made it borderline unwatchable. So, uh we're, we're all trying to hang in there, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't think this weekend's going to provide any glimmer of hope for the Buffs, but uh, I'm looking forward to heading out to Eugene. That's always one of my favorite spots to go uh, travel on the Pac-12 beat. You kind of just dived right into my first question. Um, it's been a tough year, like you <laughs> said, and it's, I, I think especially so when you factor in how last year went and the team was in the thick of it at the end of the season, um, just what's kind of the temperature around this program? Like, is the fan base, hey, we we don't care, or are, are they, hey, like, we see some positives, just get through this year, and next year will be better? What's just kind of the temperament right now with this, this program? It's pretty negative right now, and it really has been a perplexing start to the Carl Durrell era. Obviously, Mel Tucker bolted later than – when you'd like to go through a coaching change. And so they hire Carl Durrell and the pandemic hits. And so he's having to get to know his new team over Zoom, basically. And so expectations were super low for them going into last year. With that abbreviated season, they had Colorado's over under at one and a half wins. So no one expected Colorado to do anything last year. They come out, win their first four games, and it's going, everyone's going, wow, okay. Carl Drill did a really impressive job of getting this group together in a very short period of time with a really unconventional situation all around. And so I don't know if expectations got too out of control because they were handed a dose of reality late in the season. Nate Landon goes down late in the first half of their final regular season game. And in the second half, it was kind of like the parting of the Red Sea defensively. They just they could not stop anybody from that second half of the Utah game and then pretty much all the way through the Alamo Bowl. But even in that Alamo Bowl, there was a little glimmer of hope because Brennan Lewis, a first-year quarterback, comes into that game and showed flashes of big-time potential. So everybody goes, okay, well, the Alamo Bowl didn't go well, but Colorado wins four games in a six-game season under Carl Durrell following really, really tough circumstances that he dealt and now we've got a quarterback of the future. And so it wasn't expected that Colorado was going to compete for the Pac-12 South title, but it was expected that even with the tough schedule that they would compete and, and have a possibility, a strong possibility to get bowl eligibility again, which would have been a big deal because Colorado has not gone to bowl, a bowl game in back-to-back seasons dating all the way back to 2004, 2005. So it's been a really long time since they've achieved that. And so that was kind of the goal for this team. And they come out and they beat Northern Colorado. That's expected. That's an FCS program. In week two, they led Texas A&M most of that game. And everybody's Mm -hmm. getting – now expectations are starting to rise. And 
they, they did fall short late in that game. Texas A&M scores a late touchdown and wins that game. But still, things are really positive. And then the next week, Minnesota comes into Boulder and beats them 30 to nothing. And from that point, there was that blip, positive blip here recently where they did beat Arizona. But aside from that, it's really been trending downward in, in a negative direction since then. And Brendan Lewis, it's not all on him. The offensive line has played really bad, which is a surprise. They they returned four starters up front, and it seemed like that was going to be a pretty deep group. And, I mean, it, it got so bad with that offensive line group that Carl Drill had to fire their offensive line coach here this past Sunday. So that, that shows you how negative things have been trending. But going back to Brendan Lewis, just those flashes we saw in the Alamo Bowl have been few and far between this season. He hasn't been protected really well, but even when he has been, He's gun-shy back there. There'll, there'll be a guy wide open in front of him, and even then he kind of hesitates to get the ball out. So it's been a struggle there. And because they have not been able to get the ball downfield through the air, other teams are just stacking the box. And so Jarek Broussard, who was a Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year last year, really has had no running lanes to run into the, run through this year. So it's been an unmitigated disaster offensively. And so – Again, when you rank a dead last out of 130 FBS teams in total offense, it's hard to muster up a whole lot of optimism for things right now. But Carl Durrell has now coached, what is that, 13 games that he's been the head coach here. So he's going to be given time. It's not like he's going to get fired after this season. So he's going to have an opportunity. They're going to have to hit the transfer portal hard. To, and Nate Landman, who is kind of the heart and soul of this team, he's a, a senior, so he's going to be gone next year. He's not going to actually play in Eugene this weekend. He got banged up at Cal last week. So that, that's another aspect I'm sure we'll talk about when previewing this game. But it's it's tough to find the optimism right now. But Carl Durrell, again, is going to have that opportunity to, to try to rebuild this program. Just kind of piggybacking off of Matt's question to you, you know, what, what's the overall feeling of Coach Durrell? Like going into his second year, obviously the, the first year during the pandemic is a really hard one for, for most coaches, especially going into their first season of the program. But what's his, you know, what's the temperature around the program with him? Not suggesting he's on the hot seat or anything like that, but just how people are responding to him and how he has control of the program. Yeah, you know, when they were 4-0 and last year, everybody loved that he was low-key and cerebral. And now everybody right. hates it. <laughs> you know, that's, just, <laughs> that's just how it goes, you know. It's, and, and I don't think – with how Colorado's played here recently, there's anything that Carl Durrell could say that wouldn't be uh, picked apart by the fan base, right? So, right. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of frustrated fans out there. And, you know, you can't even tell these Colorado fans to be patient. Like I said, it's been since 04, 05, since they got into back-to-back bowl seasons. They did go to a bowl game back in 07, and they had that nice run in 2016. Obviously, that, that win in Eugene kind of, you know, catapulted them that season and, and they won 10 games. But aside from that, it's been a really, really long, tough stretch for Colorado fans. And I think if Colorado had a really highly ranked recruiting class right now, maybe fans could kind of point to that in terms of, again, trying to find that optimism about the future. But there isn't that, that excitement right now. They're they're towards the end of the, towards the bottom of the Pac-12 in terms of their, their recruiting rankings. So yeah, fans are really frustrated right now. They're going to have to deal with the reality that Carl Durrell is going to be given time and, and have a chance to, again, rebuild this program. But uh, right now it's pretty ugly. It's a lot of negativity outside of the Champion Center, which is Colorado's facilities. I mean, it's just it, – it's, it's pretty ugly right now. 
you touched on it. Um, Carl Joel fired his offensive line coach um, this past weekend. Just what led to that? That's pretty unprecedented of an assistant coach getting fired mid-season in college football outside of some kind of, you know, off the field incident and just kind of what's the fallout development of this for this position group? Yeah, it, it is pretty unprecedented. I, this is my 19th season covering the buffs. I can't remember an assistant coach getting fired mid season like this. Uh, it was kind of an interesting, strange hire to begin with Mitch Rodriguez had been coaching high school football for a couple of years. He did have previously uh, a long stints uh, at lower level FBS programs, Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette. He's from New Orleans. And uh, when he got hired, fans were pretty critical of it. And it, they turned out to be right about that. It's interesting. Last year, the O-line actually played pretty well. I mentioned that Jarek Broussard, their top running back, was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. That, that doesn't happen without the offensive line playing well. And so now when you kind of look back on it, hindsight being 2020, it's maybe like the residual coaching – effect they had from Chris Kapilovich, their O-line coach in 2019, maybe that's why they were still good last year because that coaching was still with them. Uh, Chris Kapilovich is now the assistant head coach for Michigan State with Mel Tucker there, and he's a guy that CU fans would love to bring back. I don't think that's uh, going to happen, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it is a strange deal. Um, I remember talking in the preseason with some offensive linemen and, and a couple of them off the record and they said that their old line group was really, really tight. You know, the tightest that, you know, some upperclassmen had, had ever been a part of at CU, but there were some rumblings that, you know, they weren't really jiving well with the position coach. And so again, you don't really want to have to fire an assistant coach with uh, five games left in the regular season, but it seemed like that was needed. William Vallejos, who was a quality control coach is going to take over that unit and uh, Carl Durrell had an interesting comment to us today. We're recording this on Wednesday. He said that uh, the offensive linemen have learned more in the last few days than they have in a long time, which uh, didn't expect <laughs> didn't expect uh, that, that comment there. Um, <laughs> oh. William Vallejos is, is a young guy. He was actually uh, a starter at Alabama, won, won a national championship there as an offensive center. Undersized guy. Uh, and as Carl Durrell pointed out, you, you don't play it. Alabama as an undersized guy if you're not a really smart player. And so he's kind of taken that intelligence that he had as a player with him. He's a young guy. He's energetic. I mean, I don't know quite what to expect, but I do know I think the, the health of that offensive line room is better today than it was a week ago. And, and that's a group that just needed something to spark them. I mean, they, they gave up six sacks in Colorado's game at California last Saturday. They rank last in the conference, ha having given up 22 sacks so far this season. I think they only had 12 sacks given up in six games last year. So uh, it's been pretty bad. And, and so it's not all on them. You know, like I said, Brennan Lewis has been indecisive at times in the pocket. And the fact that he can't get the ball downfield and other teams are stacking the box, it makes it really tough on the offensive line. But again, something had to be done. And that's really what they decided to do here with five games left. You know, I was actually going to ask you about those the, the comments that Coach Durrell made today that they expressed that they've learned Ooh. more in the last few days and the last couple of months. Like, is that just kind of the encapsulation of how the old offensive line coach's, you know, tenure was at Colorado? Well, I think Mitch Rodriguez was trying to do stuff differently. And 
the players liked the way things were going with the last offensive line coach. And so being able to now this week kind of revert to some of that stuff, I think it just made them feel more comfortable, you know? And so uh, Mitch Rodriguez made a few interesting comments. They got an offensive line transfer in Max Ray this summer in coach Rodriguez had mentioned that I've got to, I've got to kind of untrain him and coach him up and it's going, well, he just came from Ohio state. I think the coaching was okay there on the offensive line. So he made a few interesting comments like that, that uh, I don't know, we're, we're a little bit uh, eyebrow raising, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, this Colorado offensive line is probably not going to get uh, a whole lot better this season, but uh, just having that different voice that they're hearing in terms of their position coach is, is what they needed at this point. Scoring for the offense has been difficult. Um, Seven and they scored 35 points against Northern Colorado, but then to find 35 points, you have to combine almost the next four games against Texas A&M, Minnesota, um, ASU, Southern Cal. They did blow out Arizona, like you said, 34 nothing. But then they follow it up this past weekend with just three points on the road at Cal. Just is the offensive line struggles the culprit for? why this team is not good offensively or like, like football is a team sport. So it, you just can't blame one particular area, but is, is this offensive line just so bad that they're, they're preventing everybody else from, from doing their jobs and executing or are there other issues with this offense? Yeah, there's other issues. I think if you're going to kind of allocate blame, I think it would be uh, a third would go towards the offensive line play, not living up to expectations. I think a third of it would be, uh, Brennan Lewis, again, just struggling his first year as a starting quarterback. There's a thing they invented a while back called the forward pass. And if you can't <laughs> if you can't complete those, it makes it tough in modern college football. So that's been a big part of it. And then Darren Cheverini, the play caller, has gotten a lot of criticism as well. I think this is probably his last uh, stint here really? as, as a coach in Colorado. And so mm-hmm. I would kind of place the blame equally uh, – among those three areas. Yeah. Their, their play calling just hasn't been uh, creative enough. And when you have a quarterback that's struggling, it's, it's a lot easier said than done, but you got to find ways to make him comfortable. And Brendan Lewis is a, is a really good athlete. And I get because JT Shroud, their, their Tennessee transfer quarterback got hurt in the preseason is not there on the sideline. You don't really want to risk Brendan Lewis getting hurt, but he's playing bad football right now. And he's at his best when he's running. And so they have not utilized that as much as they probably should have. So it, it's there's a lot of blame to go around. I think, uh, you know, some people want to put blame on the running backs, but you watch these games and the way other teams are are uh, game planning against CU. I mean, th- there just isn't really much of an opportunity for those guys. It's so predictable what they're doing offensively. It's hard to blame Jarek Broussard and Alex Fontenot, their backs. I mean, I don't, Bijan Robinson's probably the best running back I think I've seen this year. I, don't, I think you put him – in this Colorado offense and, and he's going to struggle with given the, you know, the, the offensive line play and just the way other teams are scheming up against CU. You just, you know, you, you went through how to allocate the offensive struggles. I mean, just going through the numbers compared to last year to this year, the, the passing attack is basically non-existent. And you've mentioned that a couple of times. Is it just as simple as Sam Neuer transferring to Oregon state and then Colorado just not having a, a, a a backup who has had experience and then putting them into this new season and then struggling where they just can't get anything going? Or is it a philosophy issue with their offensive staff? Or is it just 
all three combined? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's more complicated than just Sam Neuer because uh, he was really good coming out of the gates last year against UCLA and Stanford. He played really, really well. Was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week those two weeks. Uh, but he had actually really started to struggle down the stretch last year, but they were still able to get some things going with the ground game. So I don't think it's as simple as that. I didn't mention they brought back four of the five starting offensive linemen. Now, one of them, Frank Phillip, didn't start the season because he was coming back from a shoulder surgery. So that he, he's had to work off a ton of rust. Still doesn't look like the player we saw last year. Casey Roddick, their starting right guard, had an illness, some medical issues after he had COVID-19. And he was not clear to start practicing until camp started. So he didn't have the offseason. So there's a couple of personnel issues that have kind of led into it. And then, yeah, Brennan Lewis, I, he's got a lot of confidence as a player, but it seems to get shaken pretty early in games if he doesn't come out of the gates and, and play really well early on. And, you know, they're doing this multiple offense where it's you're almost asking these college kids to do too many different things. They don't really have an identity. I think going forward, the best plan for Colorado football would be to find an innovative guy offensively, Carl Durrell, to just kind of step back and let this new OC take control of the offense. There's some questions about like who's really coming up with this game plan. We know that Darren Cheverini's calling plays on game day, but it seems like maybe there's a, a it's a too many cooks in the kitchen type of scenario. So it's hard to say. We're you know obviously we're not privy to what's going on behind closed doors in the Champion Center, but there just really isn't an identity to this. Colorado offense right now and so there's a lot to fix there uh but you know when you again just kind of trying to analyze what's going on with this offense it, it is so many different layers and so many different things that have led to their their issues on that side of the ball D defensively this Colorado team is actually pretty respectable um on that side of the football especially when you look at how bad the offense has been it's been pretty impressive to see what they've been able to do um this season just what's the overall view of this unit and what's made them be able to be, have the success that they have with an offense that really can't do much yeah and i would say colorado's defense is even better than what they look like statistically because the offense is going three and out and three and out and three and out and so a lot of the times where colorado's defense has given up a lot of points like that minnesota game and the USC game, it's been pretty much a product of them just wearing down late in games. I mean, there's only so long a defense can be out there on the field before they're going to eventually wear down. And so that's been a case in some of these games. I mentioned Nate Lamon's not expected to play at Oregon this weekend, and that's a huge hit. I mean, he was playing at an All-American level until this past week he was leading the entire nation in solo tackles per game. He's kind of a, at times a one-man wrecking crew out there in, in not just as a player, just as a leader. He is – you talk about some of the leadership issues on this football team. Defensively, they haven't had that issue because Nate Lamon is there. And so he's uh, going to go down as one of the all-time favorite buffs for a lot of CU fans. He just has really uh, put it all out there and, and, and played so well. And so him not being out there this Saturday is, is going to be an issue. I don't expect it to be quite as big a drop-off as what we saw – when he went out late last season, like I'd mentioned earlier, they, they really, really struggled defensively in the second half against Utah and in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, they, they do have some guys that have gotten better on defense. Uh, Quinn Perry's played a little bit better than we expected at the other inside linebacker spot. So 
it's a defense that's probably going to look not quite as good th- this Saturday without Lamin out there, but there are still some quality pieces. Christian Gonzalez and Makai Blackman are probably two of the more underrated cornerbacks in the Pac-12. Christian Gonzalez is probably going to be an early NFL draft pick. He's only in his second year, so he's not going to leave. He's not able to leave after this year, but when he does, I think he's going to be an early round NFL draft pick. Defensive line, Mustafa Johnson, who has been a two-time All-Pac-12 pick, is back. He actually tried his hand at professional football, got an agent, and didn't actually end up getting a, a training camp invite. So he served a suspension for games because he had compromised his amateur status, but he was allowed to come back. I think it was week five. Yeah, week five against USC. So he's starting to work that rust off, and he's playing better football. So there's – even with Lamin out, there's still some quality pieces there, but losing Lamin is a big deal for this defense. And and so I changed my score prediction substantially just in terms of the number of points I think that Colorado is going to give up on Saturday just because Nate Lamb is not going to be out there. With, with Lamin being out, you know, what are some of the ways you think that Oregon is going to really try to exploit that in Colorado's defense? Probably the ground game. Again, I mentioned the cornerbacks are, are really solid guys. And so uh, it's not to say you can't get some, some plays over the top. Colorado safeties are, are pretty good. They're not great. So they, they've been susceptible to give up some plays. Uh, but really, I think the ground game without Nate Lamman in there uh, is, is going to take a hit. And so that's, that's the area where if I'm Oregon, I'm really going to try to attack that early on, especially up the middle without Nate Lamman out there. You kind of touched on Landman and his unavailability for this game, but are there other players that Colorado right now is is dealing with the injury, that they're out, or other key guys who could be dealing with some stuff and you know their status or they could be limited on Saturday? Yeah, Chris Miller and Nigel Bethel Jr., their top two nickelbacks, are both out for the remainder of the season. So they're having to kind of – uh, put out some different packages than they were earlier in the season. Tyron Taylor, a true freshman, is one of the guys they're using in that role. So they they got quite a bit younger. They love their young guys in that secondary, but, I mean, they're first-year guys. They're, they're certainly going to have uh, struggles as a result of that. So uh, aside from that, they're fairly healthy. I mentioned Quinn Perry, the other linebacker. He's a little bit banged up. I think he's going to play on Saturday. Um, but aside from that, th- there's no major injuries on that side of the ball. In terms of how Colorado can keep themselves in this game, and obviously this is why games are played because we've had this discussion before with Oregon and having this huge spread like against Arizona, but it's still a close game come fourth quarter. Uh, what are three do's and three don'ts, just to be very general, how Colorado can keep themselves in this? Of how Colorado can keep themselves in this? Uh, well, I know Oregon, I mean, by a wide margin, they, they lead the Pac-12 in, in turnover margin, and so – you got to flip that. I mean, that's got to be – everything's got to go Colorado's way on Saturday just because of the talent disparity, uh, the struggles they've had offensively, Nate Landon not being out. So you've got to win the turnover margin and probably not by like a two-to-one margin. It's got to be pretty substantial. And that's actually how we saw Colorado beat Arizona by as much as they did is they, they got a blocked punt, scoop and score on special teams, and then a pick six by Carson Wells, one of their edge guys. And so that, I mean, it was that Arizona Colorado game a couple of weeks ago was three, nothing for a while and six, nothing for a very long time until deep in the third quarter. So it was really those turnovers that, that really started to, to kind of get that scoring 
the, the scoreboard to look maybe more lopsided in Colorado's favor than most of that game had played out. So, I mean, that that's, that's a must. You, you've got to win that. And, and obviously going on the road as a huge underdog, you've got to start out strong and, and get confidence because any confidence this football team gained in that Arizona win was shattered out in Berkeley last week. And so they've got to have that strong start. And I don't know if it's going to happen on Saturday, but you've got to have Brennan Lewis running the football effectively because again, that's when he's at his best. He's a good athlete, got a good lower base. He's a guy that's hard to bring down with arm tackles. So he gets out in the open field. He can make some plays. Uh, they just haven't utilized him a ton in that regard. So I, I think that's the, really their their hope. They they did make some plays through the air against Arizona. That's one of the few games they've had any success there. And it was Brennan Rice making some really good catches. Uh, he's Jerry Rice's son. And uh, he's he's been a pretty explosive guy at times his first two years with the Buffs. And so those are a few things here if you're going to try to grab on to any hope. I know that Oregon at times has kind of played down to opponents, and so that's another aspect. I mean, if Oregon shows up to Autzen Stadium on Saturday with their best effort, it's going to be a blowout. So if you're Colorado, you, you've got to have everything kind of bounce your way. Let's let's end this this show with some, some positivity about Colorado. Um, there's got to be some things that, that are – the outlook of the, of that position group, that young player, uh, that that up and coming coach. There's got to be some positives that Buff fans can glean on to get through the the rest of this season and to the winter and spring football to feel some kind of positivity, right? Like there's got to be something positive with this team to look forward to. Yeah, you know they're going to lose Nate Lamon after this season, and so that's going to be tough. But they have played well defensively this year. You love the young guys they have in that secondary. The future looks really bright there. Defensive line has been pretty steady. So if you can find a couple difference makers defensively, if you can convince Carson Wells, one of their edge guys that, that led the nation in tackles for a loss per game last year to come back for another season, that would be huge for that group. Offensively, JT Shrout looked like he was going to be their starting quarterback until he did get hurt in the preseason. He showed a lot of arm talent, and, and so – he, he'll come back from that torn ACL and, and, you know, compete for that job you would think next year. And so uh, Jarek Broussard was a Pac-12 offensive player of the year last year. So you start making some plays through the air, you soften up the defense a little bit, this offensive line, if it gets rejuvenated, uh, whether it's William Vallejos who's stepping up now or a different offensive line coach going into the future, that's a group that can get better. And uh, for Colorado, you know, they're going to be able to sell guys in the transfer portal that you can come in here and play right away. And so that, you know, the transfer portal is going to be a huge part of what they're going to need to attack after this season to, to look towards the future. And so, yeah, there, there are some glimmers of hope for the future, but uh, you're, you're going to definitely need to bring in some reinforcements, especially on the offensive side of the ball going forward. Adam, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And we'll definitely find you in the press box. Safe travels out to Eugene. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Adam.